What radio? The music you want. With your host, he's Dan. It's very important you don't stink today. Hey, I make no guarantees. Radio What. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in a living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for a long time, I think, quite some time now. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com check availability get a free price quote for your event enough said party people in the house today on the program the talented miss amy barbera so excited to talk to her it's been a long time since i've i've talked to her shoot i I think it was 2007 maybe when i talked to her last time and that was only a, a small little radio interview that i did for uh, the earlier incarnation of radio what.com i think it was radio keys dan.com and that was just way too small of a name but uh, it has evolved and so has amy barbera i i, I want to know more about what she's doing right now what's happening in amy barbera's life she is such a, a, a lovely person always smiling very colorful and very uh, eclectic I, I think would be a good term in her the way she dresses it's almost it's almost like a cosplay uh, you know every she has so many styles for the the types of music that she she sings and, and most of the music that she sings is, is christian oriented but it's different styles in, in in the dance the r&b there's different kinds of beats that are in the backgrounds and whenever she does the music videos she creates these outfits that that give you different feelings in the in the uh for the music but i'm so excited to talk to her today uh, and th- thank you so much for listening to what makes you famous the podcast I, i've been getting so much feedback and response and and people are actually downloading this thing see i i wondered when i first started the podcast whether people were going to be listening to it but people have stories and and people are interesting even somebody who who you might think of as a a regular ordinary everyday person is has a story to tell Uh, you've been somewhere you you go uh, you're you you do things and, and it relates to people and you've had hardships and you've had trials and tribulations and and what have you and and your story could help somebody else or, or could make a connection to somebody else where you know and if, and if you're open to invitation where you you you'll, you'll invite people to come to your social media page and and maybe get, get in contact with you maybe you can share experiences so uh, I, I never know where these conversations are going to go. And, and I'm always excited to talk to people, especially, uh, yes, I, I, the next, the person you're going to be listening to today, Amy Barbera, she is quite the talent and she, she had a, a beginning as well. And, and I'm going to find out more about Amy Barbera calling Amy Barbera now.
Hello, Amy Barbera, please. There he is. Hi, Keith Stan. You might hear my you might hear my dog barking in the background. Is that an Oreo? Yeah, she somebody she just heard somebody outside the door and she goes berserk. She <laughs> she's trying to calm her down. So well, I like that two for the price of one. That sounds good. Yes. How have you been? So good. You're on my podcast. What makes you famous? What makes me famous? <laughs> yeah. It's been so uh, long no. since I've talked Oreo. to you. Oreo. <laughs> She's going to America. Oh, no, we're on live now? Yes, of course. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I have no idea. I mean, I, I guess I want to do music to really inspire and, you know, to encourage people and I have no idea. I guess whatever what the whatever God wants. Well, you don't have to rush it. We can go now. Uh, usually on the podcast, we would start with where you're from, where you are, okay. and then where you're going. I know it's been okay. a while since we've talked, and the last time we talked, it was only like a a little fifteen minute thing, just a a, a typical radio interview. But on a yeah. podcast, you get a little bit more time to tell the people about Amy Bar. Now, pronounce your last name. Barbara. See, it's Barbara, and I, I thought. Yeah, that yeah. Everybody always, everybody always gets that mixed up. Yeah, and I even kind of, I kind of muttered it in the beginning. I said uh, Amy Barbera, Barbara, Barbara, <laughs> to to make sure because you know, I remember Hannah Barbara. They were pretty, yeah, pretty big it's about about pronouncing it that way. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, uh, what have, what have you done this morning? Right now. It's ten o'clock my time, but it's eleven o'clock your time on the East Coast. What Just, what's, what's the typical morning uh, of Amy Barbera this morning? Well, this morning I slept in. <laughs> you I know, like I tried to. Sleep in. But I'm an early morning person. Yeah. And even if I go to bed really late, I still tend to get up. But I uh, I was so tired, so I went back to sleep. And I knew I was interviewing with you, so I said, "Let me just go back to sleep," and then. You know, get up and get. Well, I'm not really ready. I'm, you know, if I had to be on camera, I'd have to be ready. But I'm just actually relaxing. Yeah. And I'll get, re- I'll get ready for the day afterwards. It's just a conversation. <laughs> We're just chit chatting. Yeah. Talk, talk oh yeah, I'm used to this. I, I I do so many interviews. I think I've done like seven already this year or more. <laughs> okay. And I'm used to interviewing. You're very popular. <laughs> uh, it's you know, now, and you got emails and stuff. Sure. I see. Because I know last interview, I think it was when we when I only had one album out. I don't think I had my second album out then. What? Well, we're 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 getting ahead of ourselves on that one. <clears throat> Let's begin at the beginning, Miss Amy Barbera. Where where were you born? Uh, I was born in Hagerstown, Maryland, which is about it's Western Maryland. It's, it's near Washington D.C., about an hour and a half to two hours outside of D.C. How big so my, my dad my dad worked for the State Department in D.C., so he had to commute every day. Gotcha. Um, so all right. So dad was a go, uh, G man. Yes, <laughs> and actually, I grew up in a very small town. I was a you know small town girl. Uh, we had one Walmart, uh, four schools in the whole county. I mean, I moved to South Florida, and I thought it was big city because I couldn't believe we had four schools in one block. You know, you know what I mean. So, and and Walmart, two WalMarts. So for me, like moving to South Florida was 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 city. Um, so I kind of was very naive when I moved here, you yeah. know, uh, it was just a totally different type of lifestyle when you're used to growing up in a really small town. Yeah. Hagerstown sounds like a teeny tiny, teeny town. 
really. Yeah, and a lot of people are moving there because, you know, I have my best friend still lives there, people from my high school, but um, because it's so close to Washington and Baltimore, and it's very expensive to live in Baltimore, Washington, Fairfax, Virginia area, a lot of people are living in Maryland and Hagerstown now. And they have a big outlet mall. Like at the time I lived there, they only had one mall called the Valley Mall. And so, you know, they're, they're, it's starting to get more built up. Uh, we used to have to drive in two hours just to go to like a decent mall when I was a kid and stuff. So, um, But I've lived in Florida. I moved to Florida um, in my early 20s, um, you know, and I love it here. I, I don't miss the cold weather. We had, of course, the snow and the four seasons. So I don't miss that weather either. Where, where do you live? Oh, I'm I'm stuck in Conway, Arkansas now. Oh my gosh! Then you're in the cold. Not now, but I mean, when it gets went to be winter. You know, it didn't snow at all. So thank you, global warming. <laughs> oh, good! Wow. So all right. So Hagerstown. Uh, well, I mean, uh, people are moving over there because they have that big giant sign that says "Home of Ab Barbera," right? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Dad worked for the government. What did Mom do? Well, my mom was more of like a stay-at-home mom. I mean, she had little side jobs and stuff. Hardest um, job in the world. Yeah, yeah, just like, you know, I mean, she worked. She had little part-time jobs, but my dad was mainly the breadwinner. And my grandma was retired, Yeah. and she lived right up the street. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, and she was a retired teacher. So, like, I always had, you know, we didn't have to have, when we were little, we didn't have to have nannies or, you know, anybody watching us. Although my dad was in the military. Oh, so okay. when I was from uh, about two or three years, when I was really small, like five, four or five years old, we lived in England. Um, I, I don't rem- I remember. I remember some of it, and I ended up being very sick in England. I almost died. I had to be in the hospital like a month. Oh. I had double pneumonia. I had double pneumonia, and I had um, a kid double no double kidney infection with pneumonia at the same time. I think I was five years old. So my my grandmother had to fly over to England to take care of my sister because she was just four, three or four at the time. And my mom had to be in the hospital with me. And then my dad, of course, was in the military. So I did live over there and I went to kindergarten for a little bit over there. But it's I only have vivid memories of being there. There's, you know, not not many too many memories. I remember the hospital. I remember that. Let's so. get a little timeline on it. What What year was that? You were three or four years old. Uh, I was born in 1972, so, God, I don't, re- I don't know, I was maybe five. Okay. Five. Okay. So, so, you were born in, in Maryland, but then you scooted over to England. Just for a few years, and then we came back to America, and then we, I resided in, in uh, Hagerstown until I, you know, moved away from home and went to Florida. All right. So, so uh, early school life. Uh, yeah, my early, you know, my early childhood, early early school life. But I was actually born in Hagerstown. You know, right. you know for the did so, you have, did you have a lot of friends when you were in school? I did. I actually um, had a wonderful best friend Tammy, who she's still my best friend to this day, and she oh, still lives in Hagerstown. Um, I had uh, two wonderful boyfriends. I had a high school sweetheart Henry, and then a college sweetheart Patrick. Who you know, I had really good teenage life i actually had uh just the best times in high school and i actually got best dressed as my senior year because <laughs> i've always, i've always been very creative and you know artistic and i was in a little bit of musical theater and choir i, I did musical theater in college at hagerstown and hagerstown, hagerstown junior college but i didn't have like the confidence you know 
you know, to really pursue music. And I, I had the gift of art. I had the gift of creativity and fashion and everything. Um, and, uh, but I got, I had, I struggled with anorexia in my teenage years, the eating oh, disorder. Tell me about um, that. Well, I had anorexia in middle school, eighth grade going into ninth grade. Um, and then I met my best friend, Tammy, and, you know, I started to make friends in high school and I got better. How did you know, that without affect you, though, physically? Well, well, I got to about 80 pounds. So, you know, can I only imagine? Of course, you're a teenager then. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I, I just didn't eat. It wasn't like I didn't do, I didn't vomit or anything like that. I sure, didn't have bulimia. Sure. It was just, you know, I guess just dealing with certain things in my life. And then I got completely better. You know, I gained the weight. I had the best high school years. Yeah. And then when I graduated, my high school sweetheart broke up with me. I'd been with him like he broke up with me the first year of college. So I was oh. fine. Graduated, and I was devastated, you know, when you're young and I'd been with him for like almost five years. Wow. Okay. I was completely devastated. Henry? Henry. Yes. Oh, he was Henry. Korean. He was Korean. And you know, when you're young, you know, we all go through these things, sure. especially if you're a high school sweetheart. And I was so young and I always thought, well, he's going to be the one for me. <laughs> and so it was really hard for me. My best friend Tammy was there for me and my parents, of course. Um, and then I met Patrick, who was like an angel in my life. I always, I always say he's my angel. Yeah. And um, and he helped me through that. He helped me get over that. And then I ended up with him. Um, and But the anorexia came back, you know, just from all the pain of dealing with the breakup. And, um, and that's when I said, you know, I really want to get... I really want to get the help. I only struggled with anorexia for one year and I just didn't want to live like that. Cause you know, I had so much fun in high school Yeah. and I just went to counseling once a week. I didn't have to go in any treatment. You know, I went once a week um, to a regular counselor and uh, I talked about, you know, you know, getting a hurt, the, the pain from Henry, you know, the breakup and we were able to work through it. And when we worked through the pain of the breakup and worked through things, I just, automatically God started healing my heart and I didn't, I wanted to go back to eating and, but it was really hard because I got to about 80 some pounds. Yeah. People deal with pain in different ways. Ways, Yeah. And it was hard on my best friend. It was hard on my sister. It was hard because, you know, I'm a very happy, bubbly person. I love to do parties and I love to eat. And when you're in that state, it's like, you don't, you become like, you don't even want to be around people. You know, everything's consumed by food. I mean, eating disorders, you can have many types of eating disorders. There's compulsive overeating. There's people that overeat. There's people that use food for emotional reasons. And there's people that, like Karen Carpenter, died of anorexia. Yes. That's probably yeah. one of the most famous ones. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've never had any struggle with it. You know, I, and then that's when I started to, I had a wonderful counselor. She was like an angel. And then with Patrick, the guy I was with, he was an angel. Um, I got completely better and I decided I wanted to pursue my dreams. Yeah. Um, uh, and I was starting to like, I didn't know, I didn't have a relationship with God. I mean, I, I grew up going to church, sure. but it wasn't like a, you know, cause my grandma went to church, but it wasn't like a real relationship. So I ended up wanting to find God, you know, it was like God was, to, you know, tugging at my heart. And, um, that's when I took a year and I was, cause I was in college at the time studying psychology and social work. Yeah. Okay, yep. And I took, a, I took a year and um, saved up money because I was working at a restaurant. And I said, Dad, I, w- I want to move away from home and pursue art and music because I have a gift with creativity and art as well. And we went and visited the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale. I Been saved there. up. 
Yeah, I saved up about ten, a little over $10,000 on my own. You know, I lived at home at the time, and I had a car payment, but I didn't have any other bills. So all the money from my work and Christmas money. What kind of and work did we, you do? Waitressing, you know, how kids, teenagers do through college. Yeah. So I was going to college and waitressing, but I decided to um, leave college at the time so I could work full time and save money and then be able to move to Florida. And it was really weird because it was Pizza Hut I worked at. Pizza Hut, and yeah. I, and I did, I did really good there. And and my manager said, you know, they had a big going away party. But I'll never forget um, one of the girls that I worked with. Um, God, I'm trying to think of her name. Becky, Becky Bauer, I think. Everyone needs either, a Becky. It was Becky. Yes, <laughs> she told me one day that I would be a big singer. She she was like almost like God prophesying to me. Because I, I kind of at that time knew that I wanted to pursue, not just only go to the Art Institute, but I had the heart about pursuing music. And it was really strange because I'm friends with her sister on Facebook, and she passed away a few years ago. I think she got, I don't know what happened necessarily, and she was very young. So it was really oh, strange that God, you know, that it's something I can actually see where we were standing in Pizza when she said that to me. It was like, you know, God will give us little, you know, encouragement along the way, you know, for our destiny. So I feel like my therapist was kind of like that. And then uh, Becky, and then they had a big going away party. And then my parents and I came down here. Now, my parents didn't stay down here, but we all drove. My grandma, my, we, we rented two cars and, and I, you know, went in an apartment and we went to the Art Institute. So that was kind of my journey moving to Florida. So you went to the Art Institute. I graduated, yep, in 97 oh. with fa with fashion. Yeah, um, I was but, in DECA. Really? Yeah. At the Fort Lauderdale? It, it, no, I was in high school in Fort Lauderdale. At Western High School, uh, we had a DECA a program, and I was in fashion marketing. I made my own clothes for a fashion show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. <laughs> So you went to the Art Institute then? I went there on field trips. I never went to the Art Institute, but it was one of the thoughts that maybe I would go there, but I, I did not. Oh my gosh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm from where I'm from where you live. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I had um oh another thing I forgot to mention. Yes. Before I moved to um almost lost my voice, my singing voice. And I've written about it and done interviews about it, but I had vocal cord nodules, actually. I uh, was cheer a cheerleader all through high school. What year was and this? And I loved You said that this was a, uh, I was a cheerleader all through high school. I loved it. Loved it. I had the best years cheerleading. So and when then did I, you graduate high school? In 1990. 1990. 1990. Okay. So I actually, but I, I was working at Pizza Hut. Sure. Everything. And I had... I started to have like a really rusky voice, like I couldn't talk. And I went, I, you know, and I didn't think anything of it, but I was a cheerleader all through high school where we had to scream all the time. I, I cheerleader for football season, basketball season, wrestling season. Wow. Also, I didn't have formal training with my voice, even though I was in theater and stuff. I didn't have a, I never had formal training. And then I, um, used to scream with Prince. Prince is my all time favorite artist. So, you know, at that time I wasn't a trained singer, so I would, play his music and try to sing along. And he's got a really high voice for a man and not being trained between the combination. I developed nodules on my vocal cords. Oh no. So, so I ended up, you know, working at pizza Hut, and I said to my dad, can I wanted to go to an ear, nose and throat specialist. And my grandma took me and sure enough, I had like four or five vocal cord nodules on my vocal cords. 
you know, and at that time I didn't think anything of it. Like I, I knew I, I had a heart to pursue singing, but it, you know, that wasn't something at that time in my life. This is right out of high school. Yeah. So the doctor said, well, you have an option. You can get them removed. Not knowing that, you know, five years later, I'm going to be moving to Florida and pursuing music. No, no. Removed is not a good thing for a singer. Mm -mm. Well, you know, all the singers have gotten it. Whitney, Celine. Oh, okay. Adele, Adele's had to cancel a lot of her tours. I think she canceled another one. Um, and a lot of them got, got the surgery. I got it. You know, I wasn't even a singer then. I was just, I'd been in a little bit of theater. And I had the five nodules removed, and I've never had any problems since. But isn't that strange? Like, even, it was like the devil almost was trying to take my voice, knowing that that was my destiny, you know. Especially because I do music for God and inspirational music. Yeah. So that was another thing that I had to go through, you know, before coming to Florida. So, okay, so the doctors, this is in Maryland. And this is in Maryland. Yeah, I had the surgery. I didn't. I just didn't mention it before. I mean, this is a on the time period where I'm healing from the anorexia. Yes. Um, I think it was before I had the anorexia because I know it was like on that same time period because I didn't move to Florida until I graduated in '90, and I didn't come to Florida till about '96. So I'm not so, familiar yeah. with with the nodules. Was that caused by the anorexia or? How did you no, 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 that was caused from cheerleading. From screaming. Not that yeah, when you're a cheerleader, like we had games, like I was a cheerleader all year round in school. So it came from like years of cheerleading. You know, I, my whole high school, I was pretty much a cheerleader for almost three and a half years. And then not having proper training, you know, like I would, you know, sing with Prince. So it was just a buildup. And then, you know, waitressing, you have to constantly talk. You know, when you're waitressing and then it's loud in restaurants and you're like talking. So it was just the, the ear, nose and throat doctor said it was just probably a combination of everything that okay. built up over, over those years. And um, so your early, but I've never, your early days of singing was uh, your training in singing. Was you singing in, in your room? Uh, you said you. Yeah. You did yeah. I, didn't, I never had I never had any training. I mean, I did. I did musical theater in college and That's, I got. Yeah. And I actually my musical theater teacher, Mike Harsh. He and I are friends on Facebook, and he's so. And when he saw what I'm doing now, he's he was so nice and encouraging. So, uh, you know, it's. I mean, that he's still in my life as far as you know on Facebook, mm -hmm. and he, I think he's still the theater teacher. It was called Hagerstown Junior College at the time. So, well, what I'm getting, Amy Barbera, first uh, off of you know of all the things that that have happened, but the underlying is you're a good friend. And once you once you become a friend, you're a friend for life. Yeah, at my high school, you know, I'm still friends with my best friend. And I still have another friend, Susie, that I was even friends with in middle school and high school. We're still friends. And, um, yeah, a lot of my high school, I'm still, you know, Facebook friends with most of the high school people I went to. Um, and then, you know, my teachers, of course, uh, Mike Karsh, he was my, I don't know how we got connected. I think he might have found me or something. And he was so encouraging. And he said, well, if you ever want to come back and maybe do a show at the theater, that was like that was a long time ago when we first connected. So, so um, high school was a good experience. College, you studied psychology. Did you end yeah, up finishing that? Um, no, I ended up. I was. I went to the Hagerstown Junior College. I did two years and graduated, and that was a wonderful experience. That's where I did the musical theater and sure. that that I just did. And then I um, went to study psychology. Sure. And I was there for two years, and my psychology professor was really sad. But it was a decision I made to leave. It was at Shepherdstown College 
and in Shepherd, Maryland or Virginia. I can't remember where it was, but <laughs> and my and then when I decided to save the money, that I decided to leave, and then that's when I we went to the art institute. So I finished the art institute. So I basically have two associate's degrees. So what kind of degree um, can you get at the art institute, or did you get at the art institute? I got a fashion fashion degree. Fashion. fashion that's like yeah. a, a blanketing degree. It seems like. Yeah. So, but that when I moved to Florida, I I gave my life to the Lord. I was watching the Christian Channel, and then I met immediately, like the first few months of being in Florida, I'm watching the Christian Channel, and there's my pastor. You know, they had like they had some little commercials in on the TBN with local local churches, and he had advertised, and he was in my area. It was a small church called Living Word Fellowship, oh. and uh, I went there. And gave my life to Jesus that day. Because I was already like looking. Like I was always watching the ministers. And they prayed over me. And they said you're anointed to sing for the Lord. I mean I already knew that. But it was like they all. They confirmed I was anointed to sing. Yeah. So he. I mean it was just God right away. Like he. That was my calling. And so Pastor Tony asked me if I would. Um, if I would sing. Um, for one of the services. This is like a month into giving my life to the Lord. So I decided to learn Amazing Grace. That time I didn't have any original songs or anything. So, and I was so scared. I'm like in the prayer room with Patty and she's praying over me. And I, I was so scared. And then all of a sudden she, I, I, I was shaking like a leaf and I went out and I sang and everybody was crying. They're like, you're anointed to sing for the Lord. And the associate pastor, Pastor Mike came over. He was crying. Because it was like the anointing. He's like, you're anointed to sing for God. So they put me up as a worship leader right away. I, you know, I knew like a lot of times when people give their life to the Lord, they don't know. They they don't know, well, what is my real purpose, you know? And it was like instant for me, you know? They put me up as a lead worship leader. So I was like singing solos and leading worship every week for like five years. I was, you know, I was young. I was in my early 20s at the time. So that was my first so not only did I have the destiny of coming to Florida for the Art Institute, but I also had, you know, at the same time I was going there, I was doing the music thing. Um, but when I graduated from the Art Institute, I said, you know, I really want to focus 100% on my music. So I worked at a bank and, you know, worked little odd jobs, but I've always pursued my music. So this is something that it's been going on for like 20 some years. It's not something where I, you know, it's been a process. I wrote my first song with my worship leader, Tim Jack. He was the, the main worship leader at the time. Sweet. So we wrote Flowers in My Garden together in 1998. Well, I recorded my first original song. Excellent. Well, being a Christian has been a, a, a big a big part of your life. Early In the early days, your uh, contact with Christianity, was that mostly from grandma? From grandma and my mom too. My mom okay. would always talk about Jesus, but I, it wasn't anything that I, it was just like, it wasn't, I didn't have a relationship with God. It wasn't anything, you know, now when I was a little girl and I would get sad sometimes, or if I was upset, I would sleep with Jesus picture. I, my mom had a little picture of Jesus. Did you but go to church like, every Sunday with, with mom and grandma? My, my grandma was a Methodist. Okay. I was a part of the Methodist church. I'm not sure what, what that is differently. It's like a, you know, denom- like it's like a Presbyterian, you know, there's I'm different, sure like there's Methodist, with Methodist, but there was a lot of older people there, but I grew up in church, you know, okay. you know, it was, but it wasn't like, it was just something you did as a kid, you know, when your family goes to church, you go to church. Sure. It wasn't, but it wasn't a, a personal relationship. 
you know, with God. I even had an atheist professor when I went to the Hagerstown Junior College. Yeah. And at that time, I didn't know God, and and he had everybody do an assignment why there isn't a God. And I remember so oh, many people. Oh, that's very telling, why there yeah, isn't a God. Yes, you had to do a, uh, we had to do a report. And at that time, I wasn't a believer, and I didn't really, I went to church, but it wasn't. But there were people that were Christians, serious Christians in that class that were infuriated. And they, <laughs> I and imagine they so. Out. And so, like, at that time, I didn't understand, why are they getting so mad? He's just having us do an assignment. Right. But now, now I understand, because if I would have been where I am now, and then he's telling everybody, he had a book that he wrote, and he wanted everybody to read it, and, you know. And surprisingly enough, his wife was actually a believer and his daughter. And they went to, of course, I didn't go to the charismatic churches there. But and uh, but he wrote for the local paper, the Hagerstown paper. And he wrote, he would write about his atheism. So that was that? my, isn't that funny? But he was one of my professors in college. And his, I forget even what it was. Uh, he wanted everybody to not believe in God. He, you know how most People want people to believe in God. He was kind of the opposite. Well, he was um, preaching the atheism. He was preaching the atheism. <laughs> and it was just, I just, I just remember people walking out of the class infuriated and refusing to want to do that. Because that was one of his things to grade you, you know. And I couldn't understand it, but now I see, you know. Yeah. You have perspective uh, of, of hindsight. Yeah, but at that time, you know. So that was like an experience. But I, when I gave my life to the Lord, it was like. Right away, I started singing, and um, well, you, you know, and you've said gave gave your life to the Lord several times, and I'm not sure exactly what that means. Does that mean you, you get baptized? I guess. Yeah, yeah. You you you, what you year give was your heart. This? Uh, this was in '96. It was pretty much immediately the first six months I was in Florida. Okay. It was like God, you know. I saw. I would watch the Christian Channel. I saw Pastor Tony on TV. Went to the church, and then. It was like right away. So you went to a certain yeah. church and and hit you like like a uh, like lightning. Like God, yeah, it was just, God comes into your heart and says, "Hey, you're working for me now." Yeah, it was just instant. It was like I can't even explain it. It's like yeah. a knowing, you know, like a relationship with God. You know, it's not like a religion where you just go to church or you go to church with your grandma or whatever. Okay. So, so you really wanted to, like, to go to church. You you really wanted yeah. to be a part of this. And it was something I pursued myself, you know, and um, I started leading worship. I had to learn all kinds of, you know, the Hillsong singers. I don't know if you're familiar with Hillsong. Yes, I'm familiar. Yes. And that time they were very small. They weren't like they are now where they're massive, where they're like a billion dollar music thing. I think back at uh, that time they were going to a lot of tent revivals and uh, really just doing, doing some smalls. They were yeah, touring, they even came, I remember because they came to a couple of small churches in our area. Mm. Uh, short. Darlene Check was her name. So I was learning like all the Darlene Check songs, All Things Are Possible, and they had me sing Come to the Father, all these songs that I would be singing every week. But I never had uh, my own songs. And then um, my pastor, you know, they would always encourage me. And Pastor Tim Jack was a songwriter. Him and his, he was divorced, but he he used to tour back, you know, you know, when I, before I was, I think in the 80s and 70s, he was a, he would tour with his wife and they would do like big worship concerts. Uh, and he was a songwriter. And so I had, God had given me a gift when I gave my life to the Lord to start songwriting. I would, I had a book, I still have the same book and I would write out lyrics and I melodies would come to me. You mean like and a, then a I, notebook. 
Yeah, notebook. And it just lyrics would come, poems would come, or sometimes melodies would come. And I wrote Flowers in My Garden with Tim Jack in 1998. We did our first song. And then he had me record. We did a worship CD with our church, you know, with all the worship. In a little studio here in Florida. I believe it was one of the big studios at that time. I can't remember what it was called. But our worship team recorded. Uh, and at that time, it was even before CD. This is back in 97. This is like kind of on the border between CD. So we, I actually have the original tape of the worship CD that we did with our church. I had like two solos, two solo songs on that CD. Like he picked, like I was a soprano. So, so that was my first experience actually recording, you know, professionally. And then we recorded my song um, at another studio with, someone, I guess, Tim Jack knew some studio people at that time. Um, and the first song I, was what? Called Flowers in My Garden. It's actually on my first album, too. And I, the beautiful Flower of Life that was released in 2007. But I redid it with my main producer, Ben Bagby, who I've worked with the last 20-some years. So when I met him, we redid the song in a more modern, you know, because Tim and I did it in 1998. And it was a beautiful song. But, you know, the music was kind of, you know, it was different sound so ben we redid the whole song re-recorded and the re-recorded version is on my first album so what's the song about uh just flowers in my garden just like comparing your life to like a flower garden like that you'll just be just fine like because you know because in the winter time the flowers die it's a it's a like kind of an inspirational song about about just you'll survive you'll you know flowers in my garden will be just fine I can't remember because it's been so long. Oh, um, so, but, you know, just and I have it on my first album. I don't know if you have my first album because that's, I think, when we first interviewed, I only had my first album out. At yeah, the time, I'm think. sure I have some of the singles. I, I, and I don't think I have the flowers in your, in your garden. But uh, I mean, I can send it. I can send it. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I'd be happy to yeah, play it. Has, now, it has, this is something like that, an R, it has an R&B feel to it. It's a lot different than a lot of my songs, the way we did the song. Now this is something that you don't sing anymore because you you say you you don't you, you don't remember it that that well. Yeah, it's something that the thing is the songs that I normally sing are my sing like make me a butterfly. Um, I mean, you know, like every artist has an album and they have like they have their main songs. Like Lady Gaga has her main hit songs, and then she has the filler songs. So you'll hear her album and you'll know well four of her songs and there were big hits on the radio, and then other ones. So it's like there's like. On my first album, there's like maybe four or five songs that I sing live all the time when I do perform. And then there's other ones that are fillers, which I should probably, you know, sing them. I mean, I think I sang it maybe once live, um, but it's not something I do consistently live. Um, But I I should. It's actually the way Ben reproduced it. It's very R&B. And, it, you know, I'm not I don't consider myself an R&B gospel type singer, okay. although I could do it. Um, I have a song called Electric Church. I think you even have that oh, one. I have on that song. one for sure. That one is like gospel. That one I've sang live maybe once. But, you know, that, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go on in the end where I'd have to do all this embellishment stuff. So I don't really, you know, but I mean, flowers in my garden. I'll send it to you, okay. you know, for sure. Now, uh, previous to moving to Florida, you were in musical theater. Did you do a lot of performances as a solo artist, uh, you know, in the theater? Or did you do a lot of performances? I had had a couple. This was in college. I had a couple. We did a play called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Sure. So, 
and I auditioned. I, I sang, well, when I was a little girl, I sang um, my favorite things from The Sound of Music, and I went, oh, I didn't yeah. even, I won a talent show when I, for, in my whole elementary school when I was little. The Were you able to sing that one by heart? I, oh, yeah, I was little. I, I sang my favorite things, and I dressed, and I, I had little props. Like, I did this whole little show with a little pink dress, and I, every little, you know, my favorite things you talk about, raindrops all around. So, yeah. I did all this move, and, and I actually won the whole entire show. This is when I was a child. <laughs> and this, yes, and I won money. What? Because they, yeah, and they, it was only like 10 or $20, but they had this piggy bank. Yeah, piggy bank with, and they had it shaped like a pig on a big piece of construction board, and they they put they taped down like a whole bunch of quarters and money, and that was what you want. And you know, for a little kid, I there was an I don't remember what age I know I was in elementary, so that was kind of like God showing me, you know, at a very early age that I that I had something special vocally, but I didn't have confidence. You know, I was so happy when I won that. That was like a big thing. In theater, when I auditioned, my theater teacher saw something in me, too, with my voice. At that time, I wasn't, like, trained or anything. Yeah. And I auditioned with... So the training you were doing was in your room, singing to Prince. In my room. Yes. And I, I sang You Don't Bring Me Flowers, which I love singing that song live by Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Yeah, I sing that. And, um, and I did that, and I got one of the lead roles. Not the main lead. But I got the character, her, it was an Indian character. Her, I forget what her name was in there. They had to paint my skin brown and everything. Oh, okay. So I did, have, I did have solos in that particular play, but I wasn't like the lead lead singer. Like there was two ladies and I wasn't like I am now. Like if, it would be totally different. <laughs> um, and, my, and Mike Harsh, and it's funny because Mike Harsh told me, you know, I didn't like acting. So the hard part for me was the acting. He said, if you just sing, just act like you're singing. Cause when you sing, you, you're like, you, you're very theatrical. You're very, you know, emotional. So that was the hard thing for me. But the crazy thing is when they, when they released that play, yes. the Hagerstown newspaper did an article uh-huh. and my, my scene was, and I still have the clip of that. My scene <laughs> of me singing on the stage was the one that they used in the paper. And it's funny because I was not a lead. Wow. And the, Amy Barbera. Isn't that, isn't that funny? And they even had Amy Barbera's. It's, I think my character's name was Hannah or something, or it started with an H Havana or whatever. Sure. So I thought, I think that's interesting though, that God like had that happen. I have the clip actually in my drawer. Hey, all so, right. <laughs> and so, you know, they could have picked any scene. They could have picked the the, the main lead lady because she was in every single scene and she was an amazing singer. She was a red haired lady. I can't remember her name. So it was like throughout my life between the winning of the talent show and these little things, you know, God was trying to show me that's your calling or your, your gift that he's given me. But it wasn't until I gave my life to the Lord and I really knew what my real gift purpose was. Because, you know, you can use your God. God gives us all gifts. But my gift could be to sing, but I would sing on Broadway. But that's not my purpose. My purpose is to sing inspirational music to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Right. And so I, if I would have maybe had my purpose revealed to me earlier and without knowing God, I might have gone in a different direction. You yeah, know? before this, and, you, you know, were serving at, at, at uh, Pizza Hut and, and yeah, other, and I, other I was serving jobs? Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything. So I did experience some. And in high school, I was in the choir. And, 
and in, and even in middle school and stuff. But I never never was considered like a great singer or the soloist, or I never really went out for any of the. It wasn't until college. So no solos in the choir then. No, it was only till college when I auditioned. And then I did a. We did um, one of the other, not Grease, but one of those plays like that. And sure. I had a little. I was one of the bebop girls or whatever. So that was kind of my experience. It wasn't until I went to Living Word Fellowship where I had the solos and stuff. That's in Florida, you say? That's in Florida. And that's when I knew I was meant to, you know, they uh, they gave me a prophecy. I think it was, I don't remember if somebody came in the church that I was meant to write songs. And so that's when I started, like, Tim Jack encouraged me. I did, you know, I did the Flowers in My Garden. and, And then I started to, like, do more songs. Uh, over a period of from 98 to 2007. So the reason to go to Florida was the Art Institute? Well, the Art Institute and just to kind of, because I grew up in a small town. There was yeah. no, there was nothing for music and art in Hagerstown. Sure. You know, there are bands. I have friends from a high school like Eric Staggerwald. He did a, a like a rock band and he plays in local places all around there. But not, not, you know. Not like, you know, it's not like going to Florida or New York or even California. You know what I mean? Where there's there's opportunity and there's it's different. No, you so, definitely went to the right place. Uh, Fort Lauderdale is a, in South Florida, for that matter, is a, a pretty good place to, to be an artist. Yeah, and even the weather, too, you know, it was like there's – I don't know why I chose – God, I must have chose me to come there. But it was instantly – everything happened for me so fast, you know. Okay. Um, so what did you do so with the fashion degree from the Art Institute? I still have it, but the funny thing now is, is that I, I get a lot of. I am a thrift store fanatic. That's another thing that I have a passion for: is thrifting. Everything I wear is from thrift stores. Cool. And I've, I've been wanting to do. I started Amy's Thrift Store Guitar when I first was on Facebook. I have a little photo album of it, and I have kind of a vision of maybe doing a, something with thrifting one day, maybe <laughs> online or. So my. I still have the gift of fashion, but I use it in a different way, you know, and I like to go thrifting and I find very expensive clothes. So everything that you see in, and, and, and that I wear, or even in my new music video, which we're going to, that's the big thing that's going on now with my music video is all thrift. And so I've taken my fashion degree and incorporated it into my music through my, you know, the way I market myself as an artist Oh, you know, like you're always very colorful. I I, I always I admire that. It, it, there's no uh, all black for for Miss Amy Barbera. That's for sure. It's it's all just colors and flowing clothes, and it, it, yeah. it's very angelic. It, it, and there's no other word for it. It's just very flowing, and and I know that puts a a mental image in, in the listeners' ears, and they can yeah. And I like it. the creativeness. And my favorite artist of all time is Prince. Yeah. So I actually. Uh, I like him because he was an overall artist, not just he was a musical genius, but he had his own image, his own style, you know, and I, so I would tend to like artists more like that, who are like complete artists, you know, they're not like a cookie cutter, where they just have an image of a girl and she's doing somebody else's song. I've always gravitated towards like artists that are singer songwriters that are creative, that have their own image about them. And that's why. I kind of, it was kind of an influence on me as an artist, even though I'm not anywhere near as gifted as Prince. He plays 25 instruments. Exactly. I don't play. I was just thinking of that. It, from what I understand, growing up, he just locked himself in his room and played every instrument that, that he could get a hold of. Now, do you play any instruments at all? 
No, I do not. I actually just sing. I wish I did. My grandma you had me. Just in sing. You sing. Sing. And and then God gives me melodies. But you know what? One of the biggest songwriters right now. I don't know if you know Sia. Yes. Um, she's not. She's not a uh, doesn't play either. But she just has a gift with like I can sit down with Ben, my producer, and sing a whole melody. Now, what's with Sia um, not, not wanting to just, show her face? Is that is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't like to show her face because she's. You know, I guess she gets very stage fright or whatever. Okay. But she's not writing for other people. Well, Charlie Daniels and, did the same thing. He put his hat over his over his eyes so he wouldn't see anybody. But, but very, really? Yeah, yeah. I think a, is, a lot of people do. Yeah, and Adele gets very nervous. Adele, Adele is another one. You know, she. I love her because she writes all of her own songs, and she's very nervous, like me. Like she gets really nervous. Like she, I don't throw up or anything before I go out on stage. But I saw her on an interview before she won the Grammy when she was on like twenty twenty, and she said she gets so nervous she like really gets sick. You know. So when you're singing in front of people, you don't take your long black curly hair and put it in front of your face and. No, I mean, but I'm very nervous. So it's, 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 you know, being called to sing and is, it's an amazing gift. And so many people are like, you're so blessed. But also at the same time, you know, you're, you're up there on the stage and, you know, you only get that one opportunity. Like if you're an actor, when you're doing a film, take one, take two, take three, you know, you're behind the scenes and then your movie comes out. But for a singer, like, especially like Adele and those people when they go on tour, I mean, you know, it's just one shot and they mess up, you know, so it's kind of scary. And so I've battled with the last few years, well, not now, but when I first started about what direction I should go, should I just give me completely Christian? Should I, and now in my life, I definitely want to stick with just doing for the Lord, you know, although I did a song for my, my fiance, TC, we, you know, we got engaged this year. Hey, all right. Love called my thing. called my sweet pea and we did i did it in the old nostalgic style and that was his idea he was watching these american idol artists that um they they a lot of the art people that were in american idol they came together and they created a band and i can't remember what they're called and they tour and they take old songs like they take pop songs like lady gaga yes. and they do it in like an old nostalgic you know, 1940s, 1950s, 1930s feel. And he was like really looking at them on YouTube. This is like years ago. I think I've seen them on YouTube or some, yeah, uh, at least one of the groups. Yeah. I think there's several. Yeah. One of the girls, Holly and TC came to me and said, you should do a song like that. And the next morning I'm in the shower and it just came to me and I, I haven't released it yet. Cause there's been so much going on with my video and stuff. Sure. And that I did that because he encouraged me to do that. And because you know, it, it's a song about him. I don't want it to, you know, I want it to be cutesy, you know, <laughs> on my screen. So that, that's, that's something I did. And that's not really a direction I'm going to go in, but it's just something that I did for our wedding or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, I had written so many songs over a period from 1998 to 2006. And um, I worked with a, a wonderful teacher named Norma Mendoza. Um, okay. I, I'm, I love her. She's one of my amazing voice teachers and she encouraged me you need to release an album because i had all these songs sitting there and um she had me do like a vision board and i go to her every week and sure enough and a so, year after working with norma mendoza i released my first album in 2007 or 2008 june of 2008 beautiful previous, flower blow. 
previous to this, where where did you have your songs put up? I I had a few on MySpace. Okay. I had started a MySpace page. God, back in the day. Yeah, I still got eleven thousand friends on MySpace. I'm not giving it up. Yeah, I still do. I'm still on MySpace, and I still keep it up to date. And people are liking my stuff. I might have like ten likes on a post or five likes, and I even had a couple messages when I went on there. I, I but I try, even though I don't know how to use it, I don't really go on much. I still <laughs> keep it relevant. I mean, up to date, sure. so that it matches. Because I have the icon on my website, and I want everything to. You know, I don't want to look like I'm neglecting one site, so I still. <laughs> You know, you want to, like, keep everything kind of formatted. But um, I released that. But I had, like, Flowers in My Garden, and I had God's Special Angel. And God's Special Angel is a song I wrote for sick and handicapped children. And I used to travel to children's hospitals. This is before, really, Internet days. I think I might have just started MySpace. So I had this song that God gave me that I that I worked with Oz Marlin. He was, a, believe it or not, he was an atheist. Okay. And we worked I was a Christian. He was an atheist, but he was an amazing musician. He went to school in California for guitar. And we wrote God's Special Angel together. I brought the lyrics. And he wrote the song. And it's so funny because he was an atheist. And he was so amazing in my life because he's the one who taught me how to copyright songs. He also got me set up on BMI. Like, he actually got me on my journey to the music business side of things. And even though we were of different faiths, we did one of my Christmas songs together, What the World Needs is Love at Christmas Time. And that even used the word Jesus in it, sure. which is hysterical because he's an atheist and he was from Turkey. You know, he was an atheist. He wasn't Muslim. He didn't even like the Muslim faith. I don't think he's going to catch on fire if he says Jesus. But I told him one day, I told him, I told him a long time ago, he was going to give his life to the Lord. You know, I said one day, I even, he even, he even wanted a cross necklace because he like, he was a rocker guy, like a rocker. And sure. so like, so, so that was an amazing, that was, that was another song I did with him. And, and I worked with a guy named Munster Tag, Jason Klein, who he's my accountant now, but we worked together. He's, I just, he did my taxes, but he's also an amazing producer in Miami. He goes by Munster Taxi. Munster Taxi. I did, okay. I was, Shout out. I was on his dance album. We did a, we did a dance version of Amazing Grace. We did five different, this is going back even before my first album. So I was recording all these songs. Late nineties, uh, early two thousands then. Yeah. And even then I met Ben. Uh, through Jason Klein and Rachel Panay, uh, I was working with them, and Rachel moved away, and she connected me with Ben, who's now been my main music producer uh, for twenty years, and he's am- I-, I love him, and he's amazing. And um, and when I met Norma and started training with her, and she said, you know, I really feel like you should get an album out, and she got me really thinking about it. And we did a vision board, and that's when I took it serious. So my grandma passed away in December of 2007, mm-hmm. and um, I sang at her funeral. I sang Make Me a Butterfly and Amazing Grace at her funeral. Beautiful. And I had a little bit of an inheritance from when she passed, and so I used that money to do my album, to release my album the following June. She passed in December of 2007, and then I released A Beautiful Flower Life in June of 2008, and we had a nice CD release party, and it was a beautiful party. Um, I did a whole concert. And um, so that was kind of my journey with my first album. You know, it was, it was just I had so many songs that I record here and I would record there. And so by the time I did an album, it, time to release the album, I had, you know, a bunch of songs that I recorded. And then Ben and I just did a few extras, you know. So now, you put that out as an actual album. 
an actual album and make me a butterfly was on there too with what uh, what, what company did, did what label did you use i did it all independent oh and i did make me a butterfly with a gentleman named jim wallman who's great too i love him he doesn't live here he lives in texas now but Ben had to go away as a producer. He was because he's a you know he's been on Broadway. Ben does everything, so he got a contract with Royal Caribbean to do the music direction and also be in the musicals on the ship. So he was going away for six months to a year, yeah. and I had given him all my Christmas money to work on you know work on everything, and he gave me all the money back. He said it's not fair for me to not pay you back because I might not be here. So that's when I met Jim Walmart, and him and I did. Uh, make me a butterfly together and you did all the pressing and and the distribution yourself everything myself i went through this i had like a thousand copies and then i did and then i did the digital online and then uh we had a party so i had like maybe 50 to 670 people there at a party and so i uh, that was kind of my it was at a french restaurant in margate called um la vie and rose it was a beautiful they had it decorated and people they closed down during the day so for people to have parties there to have like wedding showers because it was very beautiful with roses and french a lot of women would want to have their wedding showers or baby showers so i had the whole entire restaurant they had a little stage in the front ben and craig did backup and we had a fully catered almost like a wedding you know where everybody got food and it was just beautiful i didn't have to worry about decorating and we had a little table set up so it was yeah. just it, it was really beautiful. That yeah. was my first. There's like when I release yeah. a, when I release an album, I want to like do it the right way, you know. And then I also minister to a lot of people. I had people come from out of town. Sure. Uh, Eugene and Eugene came, and uh, my friend Tim Wire came, and uh, it was just really. Uh, you know, because I talked about Jesus and people were really touched. And like, there wasn't like a dry eye in the house. People like at every table were like, it's not because they said it was so anointed. I, you know, I don't know, I guess whatever. <laughs> but so that was my journey. And then in between these years sure. is when I've worked on like some singles and some Christmas songs and some dance remixes. And and then 2015 is when I said, you know, I think I'm ready to do another. It's just very exhausting when you do an album. No, it sounds like it. it, and I know a lot of bands. It, you, you see all these people, bands that that have put out, out these really great first albums, and then the second album has to be released right away. As far as these big uh, production companies, they they want you to put, and they don't realize it took you years to make that first album. How are you going to put out the same uh, kind of uh, of energy? into another album just one or two years later. So yeah. And, that, and that's true. Because even Adele, I don't know if you noticed the pattern with her, she'll put out an amazing album, win everything, and then she's gone for five years. Right. Like right now, she's not She's not even doing I think she had some vocal cord stuff. Oh. When she was touring, she had some vocal cord injury stuff. Get so well, she had Adele. to start. But Adele, Adele, you remember she, remember it was, Remember when she did her first album, it blew up, she won everything, and then all of a sudden for five years, you didn't hear a peep from her, and everybody's like, where's Adele? And out of nowhere, she comes out with hello, hello. Right. And it, But it was like five or six years. She took a break. She said it was so exhausting. She took a break, plus she had a baby. Yes. And then she blew up. That album went, won everything, and now she's gone. She doesn't even barely post on Instagram. Like she'll, And I understand. Take care because, of that baby. 
the baby and also the you know her voice she has yeah. so it's, it's very tedious and even on a small level like i am um you know because i i work a part-time job sure. and i have you know i have tc and my my parents my mom is very sick i take care of my sick mom and i have my dog yeah and I'm, there's so much. I'm so exhausted all the time. But you have a and, life. Uh, you know, it's it's a yeah. You have a life. Have a life. And I, and one of my jobs before the job I had now, I worked part time, but I was able to get off because I made a little bit more money. I was able to get off at like one or two in the afternoon, and that was wonderful because you had those afternoons, and I had Fridays. So I'm really praying I can get back to that, or maybe even not, not have to work at all because it's so much when you're trying to do so much, you know, in in a. And now my mom is not well. Oh, um, sorry, mama. She's to the, to the point where she doesn't even get out of bed. So I try to go over at least once or twice a week, and I was bathing her and helping, you know. Oh, she's so in Fort Lauderdale as well. She lives right around the corner from me. Hey, that's great. Um, but, you know, it's so much because you're trying to balance so many things. And I'm, you know, taking some time to help my mom, but. It's um, it's a lot. I just remember when I did these other albums and other songs. I just remember having so much more peace and so much more time. Sure. So but I've been praying for God for time. Believe it or not, you know, just to have this time because I don't want to be so exhausted. And and I think also because at that time I only had one social media page. Yes. You know, uh, I just started. I think at the time I released, yeah, I had just started Facebook when I released Beautiful Flower of Life. I only had MySpace. Now I have, I'm on like, I have like 20 different sites I'm on, but a lot of them, like I'm on SoundCloud, but I rarely go on, but I have to maintain Instagram and Twitter and two Facebook pages and my website. You know, I, it's, it's very tedious, even though people don't realize it. Oh, I even on my website, cause every time I have to do like put up news or put up a post or even put something new on my slideshow, I have to size everything. And then when you do like, interviews and stuff i create all my own flyers so i do all oh, those flyers and advertisements i do myself i don't have other people do my website i don't have it so it takes up time and i think i think back then it was more simple because i had maybe one or two social media but it wasn't like now you know sure. well, so, a lot of people and, are streamlining they really are and and a lot of the uh, i know that i only have facebook twitter youtube instagram those four and a lot of people have just even streamlined just to Instagram because it's so much easier and you get the point across and a picture and a little blurb at the bottom. Well, yeah, see, and I do that. Like I have, like I just put up some news on Instagram last night, but I haven't put it up anywhere else. Sure. About, I, I made it on my video, music videos and, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but. Yeah. Because that's, a, but uh, it's very draining. Yeah. It's very draining because I, I think. So I just, I feel so drained all the time and like I have no time, you know. You're doing it all uh, yourself. A lot, doing you it know, all myself. And, <laughs> major so, artists um, have a team. People don't realize they have that. I, mean, I have a wonderful team that helps me like on my photo shoots and, you know, Ben with my produ production and everything. Yeah, who's taking but, your pictures? Because you have a lot of amazing pictures. I have, I've worked with so many great people. Yanni DeMello, he's so amazing. He did my second album, Breath of Angels, oh, the one that's the only meditation album. Um, I worked with um, Xander Brandt, filmed my music video, but he's also a photographer. Um, God, who else did I work with? Lisa Corinne. Um, I'm trying to think of all my photographers. 
uh, Jamie did some of my photos. Oh, the guy who did all my Jesus sent me free to photo photos. Um, what is his? How come I can't even remember his name? Uh-huh. Oh, I can't even think of his name now. And he's so amazing. Well, I, yeah, I look at your Instagram and your social media, and it there, there's hardly ever a selfie. It's all somebody oh, taking like your picture. Yeah. Yeah. Lori Garner, Lori Garner. I love her. She just gave her life to the Lord and she wrote me on Instagram. She, she did my, those beautiful photos of me on the beach with like the red dress. And, um, how come I can't remember the guy that did my Jesus set me free to fly? And he's so amazing. And it'll just my, come to you. <laughs> it'll come to me. So there's so many great photographers that I've worked with. Yeah. April Ancelona is my art director and she is, is it all my shoots, all my video shoots, but she actually's done, we've done shoots together where just with a little plain camera, we did the Asian look and some of the other looks. Um, but you know, you I do have a lot of looks and, and that that's pretty cool. That, that does that come from your, your theater? Uh, the creativity. Yeah. I want to be creative and stuff. Like I love when, you know, how Lady Gaga was and certain artists are where they do all these different looks and stuff. Yeah, for different, like, whenever I have a song, I want, like, a different look or a different, like, style. And, um, no, it adds not flavor a- to, the, to the, 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 the feel of whatever you're singing. Now, that, that's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I like your style. And it's all colorful. Like I said, it, it, there's hardly any blacks in there, uh, you know, all dark colors. It's, it's flowers and, and flowing and butterflies and uh, just patterns i really admire it yeah i tend to gravitate towards like doing um that type of thing with nature i tend to have oh ken henson is the one i I just put him up on instagram there you go see (laughs) he is amazing he doesn't live here anymore he lives in california i believe my friend he ought to be california yeah he did the jesus set me free to fly with the blue dress we actually did that right on the beach at sunset oh and eddie perez He's the original one for a lot of my photos on my first album, him and Jamie Al. Eddie Perez goes back from when I was at the Art Institute. So they're all coming to me as like I'm, um, <laughs> you know, working. But so then I did my second album. Yanni DeMello did the photos and April did the illustration on the album. Uh, and uh, I released that because I was uh, taking a yoga class at the time and I was under a lot of stress. And I was laying there, and I was working on like a, like a kind of a Christian pop album. I was going to call it "Paint Me a Rainbow," which okay. is like my dance song. And I was I have all these songs that are still sitting there that I never released from that. Well, the first and album I, took uh, you had how many songs on there? I had twelve or thirteen. I and think that 13. started from ninety eight all the way to two thousand seven to compile all those songs. And then I released uh, to into two thousand eight because I released well, yeah two thousand seven into two thousand eight because I released that in two thousand eight. Sure. So I just had a collection of songs that I recorded. And then in between there, I've been recording and okay. then doing Christmas songs. But then I was in this class and I was so stressed out. And we almost felt like you're in therapy because the teacher, his name is Craig. What class? He'd be like, a yoga class. It was oh, like yoga. a, okay. it wasn't like yoga where the religious side of yoga. It was like, you go, I went to like a yoga studio and you just breathe and he would talk and he would say, now let the love of God, you know, fill your heart. And he was like, don't worry. Because like everything in our life, we're always, in our life, we're always having to like, um, like you go to your job and you always have to ha- be perfect at your job. You always, you always feel like, you know, you always have to have that. I'm on my, I'm doing the best at my job. I mean, 
in it in the yoga class he's like just be you you don't have to worry if you're not doing the stretches perfect and i remember just crying and crying and crying because it was a place like a release type place sure and god spoke to my heart to do a healing meditation album oh so that's how that came about because i was going in a completely different direction and then i said you know i have all these songs that i can have do like in like a like a meditation type song you know, like the pretty music and just like you can hear. So that my original intent was to take all my already released songs and make them into like healing meditation remixes, kind of like doing a dance remix. Oh, okay. But, I, but so, as, I was doing, as I was doing the album, we did like the healing song, which is completely about Jesus and it has the scripture, um, the Lord will restore you to health and he will heal all your wounds. We did a, we did a uh, meditation remix of that and of Make Me a Butterfly and different songs but then uh new song ideas came about um you know with i worked with denny tate and yaron cohen which they're both amazing yaron is from israel and i love working we just released a little song flower cool. which is uh we did that like a month ago but um and then denny who's amazing he produced most of my second album and ben ben helped but denny did most of the the remixing and stuff he had a gift for that now, so I decided to call these, that. Oh, go ahead. You decided to call that what? Well, I, I, I like would give Denny ideas about what direction, or I'd give him melodies. Like we'd send him melodies of me singing like Breath of Angels, and then he would create the music around the new song. Like Breath of Angels was a brand new song, which is the title of my album too. And I think I sent that one to you. <laughs> now, did and you record? Had, you recorded the first album. Where did you record that one? With Ben at his studio. With Ben at his studio in Fort Lauderdale. And some of it with Jim Wallman, too, at his studio. Okay. Yeah. And then with the second album, I recorded all the new songs with Ben, and then we'd send every, all the files off to Jimmy, I mean, not to Jimmy, to Danny Tate for him to do the, the meditation remixes. And then the songs that are already pre-recorded for my old album, he we would give him the vocals, and then he'd do a whole new mix of it. Wow. So it's kind of like an album, like, we took songs that I already did and new songs and we did just very meditation-y remixes. So I wanted it to be a very relaxing album. <laughs> but I closed the album out with a meditation remix of Paint Me a Rainbow, which has it, it, it speeds up. So it closes the album and it makes it more fun. You know, it's like not so, because the whole album is like you have to basically be sleeping or, you know, it's very relaxing. And then it closes with a kind of a slight dance song you know which now, people told me people said they liked that yeah. i opened the album with breath of angels the second song flying is beautiful that's the one that i sing a lot live yeah. from the second album and that one people have come up to me and said that should be in a movie like a scene of a movie now where's, it had where's denny's studio at denny lives in i chicago area i think so you just sent your stuff up to him yeah and, ben, and ben, gave him the direction hey i want to have a meditation yeah, album yeah ben sent ben sent all the files he sent all the vocal files and then if we had music you know from the song sure. that you know sometimes when they do remixes they use the music but they remix it different wow and i would send him and like with breath of angels like we sent him the vocals of me singing the melody so he had the melody yes and he didn't have to create any melody or anything, but he had to create music around. He did such a great job. I mean, I love Denny with all my heart. And he's sounds like just a very amazing. talented man there, yeah. Very talented, and he's just so nice. He's just so nice to work with. 
So I released that album in 2015, and I actually did a big CD release party. It was like a wedding, bigger than my first one. I had it <laughs> fully catered, and I did Where? a whole concert, and I, you know, it was just. We're at. And after that, I was exhausted. No, and no, go back I, to the party. Where, where was the party? The party was at a church, actually. Um, Neat. It was a Methodist church, believe it or not, by my house. And my pastors at the time, they're no longer here. They moved to North Carolina. So I didn't really have like a home church at the time because they moved away. They they're, they have their church up there now in the Carolinas. Mm. And the pastor at the Methodist church, it's the Coral Springs Methodist, was so nice. He came from the charismatic movement. So he understood, you know. And I just, we, I really liked him and he, they had a, a separate church hall. They had a little, like a little temple connected to their big, where people could have parties or they had small ministries and I just rented it out. I think it only, they only charged me like a couple hundred dollars. It was beautiful. And they remodeled the whole entire thing as we were planning the party. Like they were thinking, I don't know if you can use that. And I had a, a lady named Marlene do all the decorating. We did it like in Moroccan, like the pretty with the pretty lotus lotus flowers and candles and stuff. And I had the oh. stage. You've probably seen my stuff. I'm in that beautiful blue Indian looking gown. Yeah. I was very, I, I was very creative and I had a big cross on the front of the stage. I, it had a big stage. So I was able to do a full concert. Um, and so it was really amazing. It was just so much work. So it's like, and at that time I was working as well, oh, working, yeah. you know, so, it's like, I'd like to do another album, but it's like, oh my gosh, the thought, you know, and I want to do a full, I want to do a full Christmas album. So uh, that's another thing. But what I decided to do, and this is what I'm going to talk about what I'm doing now sure. is with my make me a butterfly music video. We had recorded that over a period of a couple of years. When the video, I, went, uh, I think between 2007, 16 and 18, we, we filmed in different locations, as you see in the video, they were all filmed on separate days, you know, in different locations. Um, the graveyard scene was not my idea. My, my art director, April Ancelona said, you know, the song, you need to tell a story in the song. So he yeah. said, you should, you shouldn't be, the song is going to be happy the whole rest of the song. So you have to share, you're telling the story and it worked. We originally filmed on the railroad tracks for that scene. And I just didn't, wasn't happy with the, with the, the footage. Um, yes. And April's like, why don't we do it like at a graveyard? But we wanted it to be beautiful, you know, not scary. Cause I'm not into that. And we found it at Palm beach. That's the old vintage graveyard. And it was, we did it. We filmed during the day. It was absolutely gorgeous. out. I think it was like 75 degrees. It was like, we got there at like 11 o'clock in the morning and we filmed both scenes, me in the black dress and the thing, and it works. And then we decided to keep it in black and white and then transition into the, 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 the enchanted forest scene and then into the, the beach scene. And I got really blessed through the whole process of filming because the last scene we were going to film on a public beach. And my friend Tara's like, no, 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 you're not filming on a public beach. <laughs> I have a friend that, is a dog sitter for it's called Highland Beach Mansions in Fort. It's one of the richest areas of, you know, this area called Highland Beach, sure. where all rich people live, where all the big mansions on the beach are. And uh, my friend sitter for this lady's dog, and she's remodeling her mansion on Highland Beach. 
and we'll, I'll talk to him and see if they'll give us access to the property. And sure enough, the house was in totally remodeling state, but we didn't need to use the house. We needed to use the beach. And then they had a pool, which we didn't plan on using the pool. But so we got access. And the cool thing about that is they had in the back, because, you know, rich people have a lot of things. They had a big, <laughs> they had a big uh, outdoor cooking area with a refrigerator. So we were there eight hours filming. So we had, we, we got to eat, you know, we got to put our food in the refrigerator and, you know, it was, it was like, and we had this beautiful private mansion with this beautiful private mansion pool and the whole beach to ourselves to film. And I had the vision of using a butterfly kite yes. and, um, you know, I, I, I knew of course you can't have butterflies on the beach. I, I wanted to do, you know, for, <laughs> purchase butterflies you know you can bu purchase butterfly release but then people are like no don't do that to the butterflies because they can't survive on the beach oh. they have to be if you're going to do a butterfly release you should do it in an area with greenery and stuff so they can survive oh, okay um, but well, the really strange thing, <laughs> the, the, the really strange thing about the butterfly thing is when my grandma died in 2007 um that when i came back from her funeral there was a little butterfly, Grace. Well, I called her Grace. Her name wasn't Grace at the time. Who was at the dumpster when we took the trash down. Yes. A little butterfly's wing had flown off. I don't even remember if you remember my little butterfly, Grace. I don't. So I took care of her for a month. She couldn't fly anymore. And it became a sensation on MySpace. People, <laughs> because I would post about this butterfly and I caught a butterfly farm here in Florida, and they said, you know, once a butterfly loses its wing, it shouldn't live anymore. It, that, that, that means you should just, they told me to put it, an envelope in the refrigerator, in this freezer, and it wouldn't have any suffering. It would just die in the freezer. And I could not do that. I just couldn't, did not have my heart to do that. So he said, well, if you want to keep her alive until she dies, buy a plant, you know, a regular plant. And he told me to get like lemon, I mean, um, uh, water like orange water and stuff <laughs> and so for one month this butterfly lived in my house on this plant and i would squeeze like little lemon water juice because they, they they butterflies eat off flowers and off like orange nectar and stuff like that we don't know that and she lived and it was a miracle because they said he didn't think that she would live longer than a week and when i would talk to her like the little wing that couldn't and she would jump you know off the plant because she couldn't fly she would try to fly but she couldn't you're very so, sweet amy barbera and the, yeah so she dies i oh. was devastated i came home from work this is when i was working the job when i get off at one or two in the afternoon sure. i cried and cried, and cried but so many people on myspace were so touched by the story because a lot of people had cancer and it, it was like even though there's this child this little tiny insect and so i had footage right before grace died a friend of mine, Ed Vina, was a film guy that I knew. He filmed, we filmed her. Uh, and since that, he died. Ed Vina and the other guy hmm. died too. All three of them died since we did that footage. And it, he's filming Little Grace on my hand outside. And it, we, we used, I don't know if you've watched the end of my video when I have the memorial section. There's the footage of Grace. So that was going back from all the way in 2007. We, we I had, and it was old footage, by the way. My producer, Ben, had to figure out a way. It was so old that, you know, all the new equipment now is so different. He had to figure out how to pull it off. The, yeah, the, the, it took two years to make this thing. Yeah, so it was like two years. And I said, finally, last year, after releasing the album and everything, I said, let me just focus completely on getting this video out. 
So I had three editors on it. And Lisa Corinne did the creative editing, which she did an amazing job. And then Ben, my producer who does everything, he did the final edit. And we changed some scenes because I had so much footage because we filmed in four locations. So I had hours of footage. So it's making a video is so much work, unbelievable work. Um, and I had to go through the whole process with everybody. And we wanted to, and April's the one who had me do the pool scene at the mansion. I did not want to do that. She said, the last scene you're going to film, you're going to get in the water. And, and I, you know, I had four make, I said, I'm not getting in the water in a gown. <laughs> and it ended up, she yelled at me the whole time. And it ended up being one of the most beautiful scenes in the video yeah. because she said, I want you to get under the water and swim. So it ended up, you know, it was her idea for the graveyard. It was her idea for the pool. And those are the, some of the most, and I released the video and then my friend Robin, who's a, in film she does she's an actress and she does film she used one of my songs breath of angels for her little short film that she filmed recently and she started submitting to film festivals and she said amy you know there's music music festivals there's also music video um you know you can submit your video and you could win you know whatever so my i've taken this last you know six months to a year because i released the it'll be a year in june since i released the video i released it last june Hmm. And I promote it all by myself every day. I'm promoting behind the scenes. You know, I didn't hire a YouTube company to, to get me, you know, views. I'm doing it all authentically. Nope. It's all um, Amy Barbera. It's all, and it's not easy work. And I started entering and I've entered into eight film festivals and each film festival tells you at a different time throughout the year, if you made it in. So I did a TV interview locally. They came to me uh, at the beginning of the year um, and they filmed me at the park where I did my second scene in my video, the Enchanted Forest scene. And two of the ladies, they were Christian who were interviewing me and they said, you should enter your video in the International Christian Film Festival. Cool. And I had already entered it in several film festivals at that time. I think maybe one or two. Because Robin encouraged me, but I didn't even think about the International Christian Film Festival because I didn't even know it was existent. She said, oh, yeah, and it's coming up in Orlando. So I went home that weekend, and because of them, I submitted. And I found out two months ago that I made it in as a 2019 official selection. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I made it into my first festival, you know? <laughs> hey, I right. got, I, and I got, and, you know, I posted about it like two months ago. I couldn't believe it. I made it in. And uh, they they had over a thousand submissions. They said it was their number one year of submissions, and the judges could only narrow down each category because they had like a short film category and they had a documentary category and they had a music video. So I made it. The judges picked my video as one of the top videos in the music video category. Stop. Which is called Excellent. the two thousand. Yeah, so that's why I'm on twenty four hour flicks TV. I just put that up on Instagram this morning. The thing is. Uh, they did have the festival like two weeks ago. I was not able to go because, you know, everything going on with my mom and sure. different things. But they told me I, my video. I talked to them. I talked to a guy, Marty, who was wonderful. And he said, your video will be screening at the festival. And it will screen on 24-Hour Flix TV, which is an affiliation with Netflix. It's a, uh, a family-friendly Netflix that a Christian network started. 
And they even have all the old classic movies like I Love Lucy. So they have they play secular TV, yes. but it's all family friendly. For four so bucks when, a month. Yes, four go, bucks a month. So I'm my it. music. What is it? It's only four bucks a month. Go get it. <laughs> well, no, I'm already on there. Because no, I'm saying it. I'm telling telling the people, the listeners. Yeah, everything's on there. But like they have, they have, and they have all the sports games, like all Ooh. like the basketball. And they have my video and the guy, I just talked to him yesterday. And when I went into the music, they made it one of the, like, there's the first four. And then you go over, I'm the fifth video in, in the music section. So, and the guy loved my video. He actually told me, um, I had to send him the original file because they were having trouble with the YouTube. Because once I became a 2019 official selection, so that happened. And so I just put up how i'm on, on 24 hour flicks tv constantly and it never goes down hey, so that's amazing wow. because i made it into the festival and i made it as a selection so i always have that but now because of the festival i'm in on this tv network professionally and you know and people are going to be going it's going to grow and grow and grow so that happened and then the French Riviera Film Festival in Cannes, France saw that I got in. I made an announcement all over social media that I made it in that festival. So they contacted me on Instagram. And I said, well, if I submit to your festival, even if I can't come to France, can I still make it in? Having no idea that I would even make it in, but I wanted to know up front. And they said, uh, yes, we know. We understand people can't come to France. So each festival has their own. They pick at a different time. And last, two weeks ago, on a Tuesday, I got the email that not only did I make it in, but I was a semi-finalist. How cool was that? Yeah. So I put that up. That was two weeks ago. And that one, I made only six music video videos made it into the semi-finalist finalist category. Oh. So that that is amazing. And that's in Cannes. It's called the International, I mean, the, the uh, French Riviera Film Festival in Cannes. It's affiliated with the big Cannes film festival they're a smaller division but they're affiliated with cans like they're they're acknowledged by cans and everything Thank and i Barbara, have going forward good job well, I have, so i have six other festivals that i've submitted to that i will find out different times during the year and i submitted to the global music awards which is just music and that one's in los angeles i believe or california somewhere that one i find out later like in the summer if i made it in but the other widescreen film festival which is in Vegas. They used to be in Florida. They emailed me yesterday that the judges yes. had selected. They want to move my video forward out of 668 videos, but that's in all categories. I don't think it's just in music, right? But they wanted to know if I was going to be able to come to Vegas. Right. Uh, and I honestly told in September, you know, because they, they want to, you know, cause all the festivals have different rules. They're all different. Like right. some of them, you're not required to be there. So I wrote them because they said we love the judges because all these festivals have judges, and we want to we we want to pick you because we you're one of the ones that they picked. But I said to him, I said I honestly don't know if I can come. I honestly don't know. Right. So, so I I they are I know I was selected. I got the email, but I don't know if they're gonna <laughs> how they're gonna do it. So, so this is kind of what I've been focusing on more now. Only because it's another avenue to get yourself out there and it's an easy way to get promotion and 
have people see you and you just submit and if you get in you you have an opportunity to go to these festivals but like from making it into the christian international now i have a relationship with international christian and film festival they now put me on 24-hour flicks tv and i talked to the gentleman marty and he was so nice and he said amy we would love for you to to submit any new videos you know, and, you know, I, I, they knew I couldn't come. So he's like, it opens the door for new people and new things to see you outside of what you normally would think, you know? So, and I'm getting in the festivals because, you know, a lot of people, my friend Robin said a lot of filmmakers submit and they don't get in, you know, and they, and it's through film freeway. So I have a film freeway page and all the submissions and they check you off. Like I've been selected to so the first two I've made it in and not that doesn't happen because I have people, other friends in film who their videos aren't making it in. So I know it's God, you know, helping me and kind of trying to take me to the next level in a different way than I ever thought. You know what I mean? I'm amazed that you're doing this all by yourself, girl. All by myself. So I'm exhausted. I believe you and taking care of your sick mama or help at least. Yeah, taking care of my, and I'm working. Um, I just, I'm recording my song. Jesus set me free to fly. We recorded the lead vocals like two weeks ago. I see that on and, your banner uh, on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, And, we, and I, and we're going to do a music video to that. So that's going to be in the works. And so that's kind of, I haven't really thought about doing another album at this time. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of other avenues. Well, you've got and a lot I'm of really, songs out there. Twelve on the first album. How many on the second? I have tw twelve or thirteen on the. I can't remember if it's twelve or thirteen on the first, ten on the second, and I have songs in between. Like "Walking on the Stars" was never released on an album. All my dance remixes were never released on albums. Like "Electric Church" is like a dance remix, and then I have all the Christmas songs. Wow! And I have three. I have three original Christmas songs. I have a total of about forty songs on iTunes between everything. Yeah, and two albums. I think the last few Christmases, I, I have you in rotation on the, uh, well, not just on Radio What, but also when I when I do uh, parties, I'll play the song and they'll, who is that? Oh, you got to look really? her up. You got to look her up. It's Amy Barbera. Oh, Check wow. it out. <laughs> so it's so much work and I'm just really praying. But my main goal is to um, really lead people to the Lord through my music. And the, the more that I go and the more struggles I have, I really want, you know, and maybe even eventually do a worship album. I've never wanted to do that, but I think more, you know, as I go, um, you know, kind of go in that direction and stuff. So it's this point in my life, I'm just so exhausted. I, I've never been so exhausted. And I think it's just everything between my mom being sick and that we have a dog. You know, we only had Oreo a couple of years. And oh, then so cute. Yeah, she's a doll. And God's used her to teach me so much. Um, How so? And then, you know, just working longer hours than I used to in the past. You know, it's just, I, uh, you know, I'm just praying for something. So, so it's like this getting in these festivals and having these little things happen. I've been doing the interviews, you know. Um, it, it's really, it like helps boost me to like, know, okay. Like when you contact me and all these interviews that are happening, the people are contacting me. Sure. You know? Well, like the people have to know about Amy Barbera, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm just leaving it in God's hands, you know. No, um, and, and you're doing the work it yourself as well. It's, it, yeah, you know, God, yeah. It's, God helps those who helps themselves. and, and you Yeah, know, that, so it's a lot. And uh, I don't know what the next step is. I mean, I, I know what, 
you know, direction I want to go in with the songs. And I, I eventually want to do a full Christmas album and a full, another full album. I have songs sitting there. I did a song called uh, Pour On Me Rain. I have that one. I have We All Want to Be Loved. I have My Sunshine. These are songs that I that are ready to go for an album. They're just sitting there. So Sitting there how? Sleep, you mean written in your, in your notebook? In a and it was already recorded. Fully recorded songs. Fully recorded songs. Fully recorded songs, just never been released. I have, and then, then the Sweet Pea song. The cool thing about the Sweet Pea song is I re started recording that, in I released in early 2016. I I worked with Kiska. I worked. She was blind, amazing lady, oh. amazing. She a genius of music. And I was deciding who to work on the song with because at the time TC said you need to do a song, and I wrote it about him. Yes. And I met Chris Kitty in January of 2016, and we did the song together in January. We finished it in February of 16. Uh, I've never released it yet because I, I, it's all about timing for me. I'm all about timing. You, you know, and, you, you think you're not like Prince, but from what I understand, Prince has so much unreleased music and videos and movies that he produced and they're just locked up in his vault and you, you people think oh nobody will ever see them ever maybe 50 years or whatever but uh, maybe down the line but but he has so much of this art that he's never released and never you really. you have it too yeah it's a very small scale he has it like huge <laughs> but he but actually i uh TC just proposed to me in, in the beginning of the year. What hey, was when? I said, "Oh my God, this is perfect." So, this is why I didn't release the song. You know, it, it was the right timing. So, I'm, I'm planning the release, and that one I have a video to, and it's completely different style. I'm singing in that n nostalgic yes. sound, and I and people like it was so easy, you know, to record, and I and the song came to me, and it was all because of TC telling me about that group I, it's not the pentatonics because the pentatonics it's another and i can't think of what they're called no, I, I i understand I'm, i see them in in, in my head there's it, it's a girl on yeah holly's her name yeah yes the, that's what tc that's the song another thing that i'm going to do is i um i'm going to record one of prince's songs called still would stand all time wow. it's a gospel song that he did and it's on his album Graffiti Bridge, I think. Was, that's and not the one of the later I, ones. I know he was Jehovah's Witness at the end. Yeah, but the reason I'm doing that is because, and I tell people that my te part of my testimony of coming to the Lord is through Prince, believe it or not. Right. Um, as I was healing from the anorexia and going to the counseling, I would, you know, be in the basement and I would, you know, listen to Prince because at that time. He's pretty much all the music I listened to at that time. Sure. And there are a lot of songs on many of his albums. We know he has his very sexual side and his side. But throughout his life, like he had a song called The Cross. Right. And a lot of big Christian artists have remade his song called The Cross. That was actually before he became a Jehovah's Witness. Right. And he has a song called The River, which is a song about him coming to God. And he has Still Would Stand All Time, which is about him coming to God. And it, it's actually when you listen to it, it's very, it's the way he produced it is a very strange melody. It's almost like a minor key, and the the way it's some. But that was one of the songs that God used in my life to heal, to speak to me and heal me through my anorexia. And I remember exactly where I was, and I started crying. It was like you know, God will use what. He can use anything to talk to us. It doesn't. He even used a donkey in the Bible to talk to somebody, or a burning bush. Believe and it. and God knows each one of us individually. And 
at that time in my life, Prince was something that I would listen to. And there was, I didn't listen to, I didn't know about Christian music. And nobody on the radio was talking about God in a secular realm. But Prince, he always, even in his Purple Rain album, like when Doves Cry, and also his album, uh, um, oh God, his most famous song, oh gosh, the, that opened the Purple Rain. Uh, when you listen to him interview about it, he actually wanted to use God and the Devil in the Elevator song, don't they? But they wouldn't let him because they said that's not going to make radio. So that's why he called it the Elevator. You know, so it's like. Yeah. I know in my heart, like Prince was very strange and he had his own, but he had a real, and even if you watch even old interviews when he was really young, like I think he was on American Bandstand or something and they asked him and he said, well, I, ha I talk to God, you know, that's not very common with secular artists. So he had a very special anointing. He had a gift. And I really feel, cause I met Maite when, you know, his wife that, that she wrote a book called a beautiful, um, when he first died, the following year, she released her book. She was the one that was married to him, the hair dancer, and then he, she, the, they lost a baby. The baby was born with a disease. And so I met her in person in Miami uh, when the book came out, and I got to get up and talk about how how Prince God used Prince to lead me to Jesus. And it was amazing. Everybody was crying, even Maite, you know. And I said, I Maite, I know everybody wants to always know about his his. Uh, music and we all know but what was he like as a person with god and she said amy he always had faith and he always carried his bible everywhere and in the midst of all his crazy you know how he was sure you know i have serious i don't think crazy mysterious maybe you no know, he wasn't crazy in that <laughs> way he was, crazy. he was amazing he was just very private and very um different like mysterious he wasn't he wasn't like he was actually very amazing so i just was like uh, I want to release a song that really touched me. Sure. So I'm going to be doing my own version of it still with Stan Time. Most people don't even know the song. It's not anything that would ever make radio. It, it'll it probably be hard because it's not, it's a very, the male, it's, a, it's, it's, he does this big gospel thing at the end. <laughs> um, so that is something that I've been talking with my producer about. And it would be part of my testimony actually, because people are really like, wow, you know, I didn't know that he wrote a song like that, but he does have a song called The Cross, and there's several major Christian bands have have redone it and used it on their albums. So other Christian bands have used his music. You know, there's several songs that he did where you could use his music, you know, like that. Um, so that's something that I'm also looking to do, and that's really from my heart. But I, we have to do it right, you know, and I already called because um, you have to get the... Um, what is it called? The, the um, rights, the rights yeah. which you, they said I could do it as long as I don't change any lyrics, which I don't want to change the lyrics because it's perfect the way it is. But that's, that's something that I'm going to be working on in the next year or two, too. Wow. Um, but that that's the three main three main things at this time. Have you been were. performing anywhere? Any concerts? or? Any um, I actually performed a lot, like did some stuff last year. And then I was just asked to sing for... David Winters, who was in the original West Side Story movie and Broadway oh, play. Cool. He just passed away. Oh. He he was a rab in the original West Side Story. <laughs> and he That's great. He, he he was eighty years old. He just passed away. And I knew him because my friend Donna uh, was close with him and so I spent time with him in the hospital before he died and got to be his friend and you know, he was eighty years old and he was really suffering. And I would talk to him about the Lord. 
And um, Donna came over and asked me if I would sing somewhere because I I sing somewhere for his his memorial on June second. So that just came up. I'm I don't even like thinking about. It. I'm so nervous. His his big funeral was just in Los Angeles or I think around Los Angeles area. Um, Donna went, and all the cast that are still here: Cheetah Rivera, um, what's the other guy? Um, George uh, Jukaris. They were all at his funeral. So there was. He worked with Barbara Streisand. In his book, he has a guy called Tough Guys Do Dance. His book came out two a year or two ago. Yeah. And it's his journey of being, you know, starting out as a child star. And then West Side Story, when he was in it, won the Oscar that year. He was only 17. And then he went on to work with Barbara Streisand. They hired him uh, to do the choreography for Star is Born back in Barbara. And then he worked with Elvis Presley on La La Viva Las Vegas his book is absolutely amazing. It's his journey of being a dancer and being in entertainment. I mean, he worked with Michael Jackson in the earlier days. And so here he is, you know, in his eighties, well, he turned 80 in April and he's in so much pain. And me and Donna were there for him. We were like, you know, one of the main two, especially Donna, I couldn't be there all the time. But, and, um, so I was asked for that. Um, that, that's, that's something that just came up. No, West Side um, Story is my favorite. Full disclosure, my favorite musical for sure. I watch it really? Well, he was in the original. He was in the original musical on Broadway, right? Right. And, and then they went on. To, and you know, Steven Spielberg is doing a. It's going to come out in twenty twenty. The new West Side Story movie. You have I think to they stop. made more money. He's Arab. David Winters is Arab. He's the red haired one in the in the movie. He's the one that's does the really cool in the cool scene. You know, in the cool yeah, thing. Cool. He's the main dancer. That's and I'm so sad in the end when he was sick because I was with him in the end. Yes. And it was so sad because he had a heart condition and different diabetes and his legs were swollen and he, oh. he would say, I'm in so much pain. I held his hand in the hospital and he couldn't even walk anymore. And I said, Donna, he's suffering. You know, we were wanting him to be alive. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? He's suffering. So bad. like it got to the point where he couldn't even walk anymore and he was right. in so much pain. And I just was like, you know, it's time, you know, go. he, he couldn't even dance. He couldn't do anything. It was just so much suffering. And I know now that he's just dancing in heaven. And I, I, I shared it on Facebook. The last time I saw him in the hospital was like a week, week or two before he died. And I'm by his bedside, and he, I'm holding his hand. And my friend Elise is on the other side. Donna wasn't quite there yet. She was on the way. And um, we were helping rub his legs because the covers are, but he was in so much pain. And Elise was rubbing. And he said, Amy, he, he loved his mother so much. He had a really strong relationship with his mother. And um, he shared the story about when his mother was dying. He said, when my mom was dying, I dropped everything that I was doing. And at that time, of course, he was doing, you know, he was big in Hollywood. You know, he did a lot of stuff in Hollywood and worked with every big name. And he said, I came to her side for three weeks and I, and I just hugged her and talked to her and, and just was there. And he said, you know, when you're like me and you're elderly and you're older like this, you just need to be hugged, you know, cause a lot of times he said, people like me are in nursing homes or anything. They don't get it. They need to be hugged. And I just cried and cried. And he said, and that's exactly what he did with his mom. You know, and I, I hugged him, and Donna, of course, was there for him every day to the very end. 
hugging him and everything. So it's like at the end of your life, you know, he did all, I mean, if you get his book, tough guys do dance, it was a number one bestseller on Amazon. It still is. Check it out. Um, unbelievable. I said his movie, his life should be a movie. I mean, even his, when he was a baby, he got in a fire when he was a baby and it was died. He worked with Barbara. He worked, he was the one that, uh, uh Alice Cooper hired to do his original tour. They, David Winters was the one that did his, his uh, tour, his dancing, and all the choreography for. And Alex Cooper actually, uh, you know, he came and saw David like you know a couple years ago here in Florida. Another very and, theatrical uh, person there. So yeah, yeah. So he did. So he, I mean, he worked with every from Elvis to Michael to and Barbara Streisand. If you get his book, and um, but it's just sad. In the end of his life, you know. It all that didn't matter because he's suffering. You know what I mean. And all that mattered. He had people that loved him hanging around, and that was nice. Yeah, and he had and he had his his family, his son, he had his sons, and he had people. But his son was in Thailand and doing movies and stuff. Um, And his son is wonderful, and they were very close. Um, But you know, like in the end, when he's talking to me in his bed, he's telling me about his mother. We're not talking about. You know, we're not talking about when he's you know, on Broadway or, you know, he didn't want to talk. He was talking about being with his mother by her side, you know, before she died, not knowing that, you know, two weeks down the line, he was going to die, you know, and it just makes you like see things in a whole different perspective, you know? And, um, and, um, I don't know. They, Donna asked me to sing and I, it's going to be hard. I don't even want to think about it because it makes me nervous, you know? (laughs) So, that just happened recently too. I did put up a post about it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and I, I and and it's on the David Winters dance icon page on Facebook too. And so many people were so touched because, you know, I just I when I shared my because so hundreds of people and he's got fans all over the world and people from his generation that love West Side Story, you know, he's they look up to him as a celebrity and everything, which he was. Um, but I wanted to show the side of him about his mother you know i shared the story that with his mother and people were really touched by that you know they wrote me so and i didn't know him as a celebrity i just knew him from when i knew him you know from the times that he was with donna and i was with them you know what i mean i didn't know him as that big celebrity you know right you know what you i knew mean? david winters not not i knew david winters and i would ask him questions and stuff like that you know in his book he says it all but it's amazing because it also is helping dancers because it's a book about being a dancer, a male dancer. And, you know, he also did a lot of the Huckabaloo show and all these big shows from back in the day. And like my parents time, you know, and then my parents remember that I wouldn't necessarily remember, but he was a part of all that stuff. And, um, it's just amazing. So that's kind of where I'm at now and I'm seeing where God's going to take me. And, uh, and uh, just taking it one day at a time and just praying for time and praying to have time with my mom. And, you know, that's 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 kind of where I'm at now with my life and my music. Well, you're planning a wedding, too. Yes. And I haven't even had a chance to plan the wedding because there's just so much going on. I mean, that's another thing. Set? No date set. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, the, the engagement was just recent, though. So, TC, yeah, good was- dude. He's a, uh, you have uh, somebody in your corner that's supporting you. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm, I want to do a nice wedding, more, more of a small wedding. And then we want to go to Italy and 
Italy or Greece or probably Italy and then eventually Greece later. What? But um, I'd rather have a, like a teeny tiny wedding and then spend it on Italy or something. Sure. Because people people say, don't give you a $40,000 wedding and then you're stressed out, you know? Right, right, right. And I, I get to do weddings all the time as a DJ. So uh, I have had one last Saturday and I'll have one next Saturday as well. So. And they're very expensive. Yes. I had my seat and release party and everybody's like, thought it was like a wedding. And I think <laughs> I... I it was like seven thousand dollars by by everything. I mean that that includes the production of the CD, like the printing and everything. But yeah. I had to hire a a sound person, and I had to hire a um, photographer, and I had to hire a, a videographer. So it's not you know just like you do at a wedding. Oh, you've already and planned a wedding then. <laughs> I hired a catering company. Yes. The main the main thing for me for my wedding is the the walking down the aisle. I'm going to use the song "Our Love Can Do Miracles" from the Notebook. Uh, and I'm guessing you're going to be in a, a dress that you maybe found at a, a thrift shop. Uh, yeah, I have a vision of what I want. I want like yes. a mermaid dress. Yeah. What? I see. I knew it would be something special. Mermaid, and I want to have red in the dress, like like red roses, maybe in like little embroidery. I don't want to have. Just all white. Like, it'll be a white or cream dress, but with maybe a tint of red in the roses or something. I don't know. How non-traditional, Amy Barbera. Yeah, I haven't even had a chance to even think about it because there's just so much going on. And my mom is so sick. Oh, mom. It's like. It's Mother's (sighs) Day weekend. Yeah, and David just passed, which was hard because I was around him a lot in the end with Donna. It's just been, you know, hard, you know, a couple weeks as, you know, just dealing with the mother my mom and everything and then so you know i i know everything will be in god's timing but at least i'm engaged and i can start thinking about you know (laughs) at least i'm engaged to a really good dude yeah and also like i can do my i can finally release the sweet peace song or maybe even use it as part of the wedding because i did do this song for him so excited Um, about that and and your outfit the, the polka dots they're always in fashion yeah, and when I when that song comes out, I will send that to you. And I that one I can send to different types of radio because it's you know a different style. It's like nostalgic, you know. So cool. Oh, you so, know on on radio what I play whatever I like. If anybody else likes yeah. it, hey, they can listen. <laughs> yeah, and you know you you are amazing. And then there's internet uh, radio and international network, which are based out of Italy, but they play they play pretty much all jazz. Excellent. R&B gospel and they also have like a uh, like a lounge which they use all of my meditation music on the lounge so cool so you between you and them and a couple of the other radios you guys are amazing and there's one in uh, another radio I can't even think what they're called right now but they play my music a lot too but you're amazing and I always retweet things you notice that yes <laughs> yes I, I think I might tweet too much it's possible but no, I, but I, 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 all the radio stations that play my music, like every time you put up, I see it pops up. I or I even search for it sometimes. I always retweet it. Yeah, like I even I sneak over know. to your Twitter and I'll retweet their tweets too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because sometimes people, yeah. So, but just pray for me because I just I feel like stressed and I uh, just praying for time and you know just. I just don't know. I just feel like I want to have more time, you know. Keep, keep a smile on your face, Amy Barbera. Yeah, well, I so. guess as, as we're rounding this out, I think I've taken enough of your time. My goodness, I've learned so much about you, Amy Barbera. Uh, how, yeah. how do the people find you online? Uh, they can go to my website. Well, you can Google Amy Barbera, A-M-Y-B-A-R-B-E-R-A. Everything comes up. But my website, 
www.amybarbera.com and all my social media icons are at the top, like on my homepage. 13 I'm of them up everywhere. there. Yes, and I'm on Facebook. I have two Facebook pages, a fan page and a regular personal page. I have Twitter. I have Instagram. I have YouTube. I have uh, SoundCloud and MySpace and uh, About Me. I mean, every... they I, I was on Google+, Plus, but they, they turned out all the Google+, <laughs> Plus pages went out. Um, I, I'm pretty much everywhere, and all of my music is on iTunes. It's on CD Baby. It's on Amazon. I'm also on Spotify and Pandora and, you know, all those different networks as well. And now I'm on 24-Hour Flix TV, my video. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and that I'm very happy about. That just happened this week, actually. They put everything up this week. Um, and who knows what's going to happen with these other festivals. I'll be updating um, as I find out, and I, everything's on my website, like what festival I got in, you know, I, I put up a new thing. So I don't know what God has in store, but I know that it's he's doing something. Any last words for the people, Amy Barbera? Um, just to, like, know that God, Jesus loves them, God loves them, and to just continue to um, be themselves. Don't try to, you know, when I was listening to the Christian channel the other day, and <clears throat> when one of the ministers wanted it, he was saying that, you know, our society today is so based on likes, you know, everybody, and it, and it can be very hard on people. They think, well, if I put up something and I don't get enough likes, and I've kind of like, you know, we all deal with that in the social media world, but that's not who you are. You're, you're not based on, you know, how popular you are you on social media or, um, you know, I, I want to tell a story real quick about that. There's a, a guy, there's a guy from um, the, an Instagram. I, I don't know how to even say his name. Metapedo. It starts with an M. I don't even know. I think he's from like India or one of those places. And everything he puts up is about Jesus. Like everything is just all people know. And nobody likes his stuff. You know, he might have one like, and I, I even cry thinking about this. Um and I would go on and I would like everything that he have. And I just, and God spoke to me to say, you know, here we have like all these big celebrities and they're just putting selfies and they're putting boobs and, you know, I mean, all these things that really aren't going to help anybody or matter in the end. Sure. And they might get 1 million likes on a picture, something so artificial. And then somebody like him, who's really trying to like do something. And so I, I cried myself to sleep, you know, thinking about that. And so, and that, that's kind of what I want to leave people with. That, that stuff doesn't really matter. It's really what, you know, and it's so like now this particular person, I don't even know how to he's constantly writing me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your kindness. And, you know, he, every post I put up because it's like, God, somebody saw, you know, and that's kind of what <laughs> I was like crying, even thinking about it. You know, people are you often th afraid to post or, or talk about their their faith or their beliefs be because of repercussions or possible re repercussions. And and, and I, you could talk about whatever you you want. And if you feel this strongly uh, about your faith, I, I encourage you to tell everybody that this is stuff you're passionate about. And, and, yeah. and if you have a calling to 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 tell people about it do it you know i mean if if they get turned off or, or off put you you know when to stop talking you know when to turn it off oh, yeah, even yeah. jesus and knew with, that oh yeah he knew that and with this my the thing is is i think there's so much going on with social media as far as people you know you wanting to be liked and wanting to and that that the reason i'm bringing this up is because on the tv and christian channel they were talking about that 
that we're in a whole different generation than we were several years ago. Now it's the like me generation that they base themselves on how many people like them on Instagram. And especially teenagers, it's really hard on them. And and it's hard. In some ways, it's good. It helps you and you minister to other people. But in other ways, so it's this constant battle, you know, on social media with people liking you and popularity. And that's not really what it's about. You know, I want people to know that that they're loved regardless, you know, and that Jesus loves them. And that, that's really what it's about in the end, you know. All you need is your close-knit group of friends. And I like you and have liked you for a long time, yeah. Miss Amy Barbera. And, and yeah. not, not to be not just because you're you're a wonderful artist you you're a good person as well yeah. and, and I'm glad you yeah. found TC uh, that's uh, he's a lucky dude a lucky lucky man well t- I'll tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much yeah and keep me posted when the when do you think the interview will go up oh it'll probably be on within the hour <laughs> oh wow yeah we'll talk a little bit later Miss Amy Barbera thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much. And it was wonderful speaking with you. Hooray. (laughs) Take care. You're wonderful. Thank you. Party people in the house. So amazing. So amazing. So talented. Miss Amy Barbera. And she touches a lot of lives and a lot of lives touch her as well. Obviously, she's deep feeling, a very sweet person, just amazing uh, is is a, a good adjective uh, that comes to mind just a, a wonderful person it, she's got about 30 songs out there i encourage you to to step to amybarbera.com and click on every social media tab on the top i think there's 13 of those social medias that she's keeping track of herself that, that that's a full-time job right there there's people that are in teams that a lot of artists, the, the artists that are, that are you know, famous, you know, what you would consider famous right now. Cause everybody has a, a little bit of fame in their own, in their own hometown. Uh, isn't there a song? Everybody's famous in a small town. Yeah. You're very important to, to the people that love you and, and that you are loved by. Um, thank you so much for listening Amy Barbera, thank you so much for coming on the program. What makes you famous? I, I, I've admired you, and and I I like what you do, and I like seeing you uh, on your social media as well. And your songs are just they're they're inspiring. They're inspiring. Uh, they'll inspire you to do different things. And and I'm happy that I've been playing them on RadioWhat.com over the years. And I'm glad that that she enjoys that and she gets a a retweet out of it and and hopefully that pushes her even further so i encourage you to look up amy barbera and i'm so excited you're gonna get married soon (laughs) congratulations to you and tc well i think i can wind this up (laughs) thank you so much for listening to what makes you famous if you want to tell your story on what makes you famous Please give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at RadioWhat.com. It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the music you want. Hey, guys, this is Shelly G with a fast fact. The term 
Disc Jockey was first used in 1937. Do you have a fast fact? Share it with us at Interactive Radio, RadioWhat.com. Be on Radio What. Call 501-470-6386. Say your name, where you're from, and you're listening to What? The music you want is on RadioWhat.com. <laughs> 